Are you hungry, VRVC? Come to the feast. Uh, it's so great to see you and so great to have folks worshiping with us online as well. Uh, we started this series a few weeks ago uh, and, and our intent was to say one of the richest metaphors in the Bible is the idea of the Christian life being a, a banquet that God hosts. And so uh, the first week, Isaiah 55, we felt that invitation. And then uh, John from Luke 14 talked about the distractions we sometimes feel from the feast. And then last week we talked about uh, the, the Heavenly Father welcoming back prodigals to to his table and today we want to talk about a feast for the malnourished and uh, we want to talk about the significance of what the father is serving at his table and how desperately we need to eat what the father is serving so we're going to be uh, looking at the words of the apostle Peter in first Peter chapter 2 I invite you to have uh, your Bibles open to first Peter chapter 2 and listen as we read verses 1 to three. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. God bless the reading of his word. As I organized a sermon, I found myself thinking about jury consultants. Have you heard of jury consultants? They uh, are paid to observe the emotional reactions of jurors during a trial as the, to, to see how they are responding to the case that both sides are making. And so maybe one juror is yawning and looks bored, or maybe one juror has his arms crossed uh, over his chest and, and looks angry, or, or maybe one juror is kind of smiling or tearing up a little bit and, and leaning in. And I thought about that because in a way, I'm, I'm praying for something similar, not the yawning, I see enough of that, but uh, I, I'm actually praying for your emotional, spiritual reaction to what we study this morning. In fact, I'm praying not just for one emotional and spiritual reaction, I'm actually praying for three emotional and spiritual reactions that each kind of build on the other. You know, the, 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 when we read scripture, it's not just you know, cold truth on the page that we say, okay, I believe that, yeah, I believe that, I believe that. But it's designed to really reach down deep into our hearts and prompt these sort of holy reactions. And so that's what I'm praying for. And so I want to take a little bit of a risk today. I want to use a medium that I am quite unfamiliar with to talk about these emotional, spiritual reactions. I want to use emojis. Uh, emojis help express emotional reactions, right? It's like, well, maybe they misinterpreted my words, but hey, I'm joking here. I'm winking at you here, right? So uh, once again, I'm I'm not an expert, ask my family, I'm not an expert in emojis. Uh, I was really proud of myself when I learned how to do the, 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 the colon and then that parentheses thing to make a smile. I, I felt really accomplished. And there's a way to add a nose, but I'm not sure how you do that. But, uh, but, but I, I'm not an expert in emojis, but I consulted an expert, an online resource called Emojipedia. So uh, I think that, you know, we can trust Emojipedia here. And so I want to just start off, the, the, and I'm giving you a fair warning. The first reaction that I'm praying that you have uh, may be kind of troubling, uh, but it is the emoji of the 
nauseated face. Have you ever seen this one before? In fact, if you have like the paper uh, scripture outline or even if you have paper or whatever, I, I encourage you to draw this out. Now maybe you didn't bring your crayons and that's okay, but, uh, but you can draw the upraised eyebrows and that, look at that face. That is a that is a sick face right there, right? And so the first reaction that I'm praying that we might have as we read this passage is that there's a sense of, oh, what have I been eating? And what have I been eating? You know, what is it doing to me? My spiritual diet uh, is, or maybe lack of spiritual diet is, is making me sick. And so, um, so I want to I kind of show you where this is coming from as we dive into uh, the letter of First Peter. First Peter, the theme of First Peter is to give a word of hope. And this hope uh, comes from God's powerful word and God's grace that has brought salvation to Christians who are, who are undergoing persecution at the time. Now that's obviously good news, right? But unfortunately, Christians in Peter's audience, and I think Christians in our audience as well, uh, realize that at some point, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to learn a new spiritual diet. We're going to have to feed on different things that we were feeding on before we intentionally followed Christ. We're used to snacking on words and attitudes that are, that are harmful, and we need to learn to fast from those and to feast on the spiritual truths that God has for us. You know, in other words, as a Christian, you are what you eat. You ever heard that saying before by a nutritionist, you are what you eat? The first time I heard it, I thought, if you are what you eat, I am a Pringles potato chip. That is what, that is what I am. But, but think about that for a moment from a spiritual standpoint. What if we are spiritually what we consume? What if what goes into our hearts and minds eventually comes out in our words in our actions. I think that's, this is what Peter's trying to teach us in verse 1. And this, uh, maybe you'll see why I use that kind of uh, nauseated face as you read verse 1. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Get rid of that from your pantry. Get rid of that from your diet. You know, First Peter uh, gives a clear call to holiness. And Peter is saying, we don't have time to, to waste our time anymore with malice or evil and, and so forth. In fact, back in chapter 1, Peter said we've been redeemed from an empty way of life by the blood of Jesus. So if we've been redeemed from an empty way of life, why would we still consume the diet of an empty way of life. No, rid those things. Malice, which is kind of a, a, a catch-all word, literally means evil. Uh, rid ourselves of deceit. Think about this for a moment. If, uh, think about maybe if you're married, think about your marriage. Think about maybe your family. Think about your friend group. What happens in our relationships if we consume uh, deceit, for example? What happens in our relationship if we are regularly not true with one another? Well, there's going to be an erosion of trust when we're found out. You almost wonder if Peter is thinking back to his hollow words, right? The night before Jesus died, one moment he's saying, Lord, let all these other clowns forsake you. I'll never forsake you. And then just a couple hours later, right? What is he saying? Jesus who? Sorry, never met the man. Don't know who you're talking about. Maybe Peter was reflecting on his own deception. What happens if we consume hypocrisy? What happens if we, the, the 
the New Testament word for hypocrisy was used in the theater. It's like wearing a mask. What happens if we uh, wear masks with one another, if we can conceal what's really going on in our lives? Can you trust somebody who's phony? Can you trust somebody who's fake? Can you trust somebody who says one thing to your face but says another thing behind your back? What happens to our relationships? Our relationships are going to be uh, insincere with one another, aren't they? We're not going to be able to count on one another. What happens in our relationships if we consume envy or jealousy? We, we tend not to be nice toward the people that we envy. And we will naturally go to slander. We'll say mean things about them because we envy them. We'll say things about them that are not true and not helpful. So what happens then if we're consuming in our minds and hearts this diet of malicious thoughts, deceptive words, hypocritical attitudes, envy, critical, harsh words about one another behind one another's back? Peter says you have to stop eating junk food. You have to rid yourselves. Uh, and this is, you know, it's not something, unfortunately, that we just do once for all. It's a lifelong battle for us with lots of confession, lots of access to God's grace that cleanses us. It's a, it, we have to ask the Spirit to help us every day. You know, some scholars think that when Peter says to rid yourselves of these things, he's actually reflecting an ancient Christian practice of baptism. I'm going to refer to baptism a couple times in the sermon. Uh, that, that there was this practice of baptism in the early church where you would take off the old clothes that you were wearing and you would put on brand new clothes. And the idea is really clear, isn't it? It's like the time has passed for those old garments. I, I want to clothe myself with Christ. I want to put on Christ. Now, how does that strike you today? In fact, if I can be kind of personal, what kinds of junk food have you been consuming this week maybe that are on this list here? And what kind of impact is it having? How is it making you feel, spiritually speaking? How is it impacting your relationships? Let me ask it this way. Can you afford to keep eating these things? Can you afford to do that? Last summer while I was on sabbatical, I had a chance to go uh, to the new Shea Stadium in Queens. I wanted to see the Mets play, wanted to watch that wizard Jacob deGrom uh, pitch for the Mets, and uh, sadly the game got rained out. I did get to see, though, a member of the grounds crew sliding on a wet tarp, and so that made it all worthwhile. But before the game started, you know, kind of, uh, we were thinking maybe we would get some food uh, around the stadium, but there was no food around the stadium, and so they had us. And so, you know, kind of walking down, look, looking at all the vendors and the fast food that they were selling, and, and the process of deciding what to eat was pretty complicated. I mean, first of all, everything smelled great to me uh, as I walked past it, and, and so there was that question of, well, what smells better, or what am I, what am I hungry for? But then there was a second complication, and that is every item on the menu was ridiculously more expensive than you would ever think it needed to be. Like, you would just imagine in your mind, well, I think a hamburger ought to cost this, and then multiply that times three. I mean, it was ridiculous. But then there was a third complicating factor. I'm not sure if it was New York State law or not, but behind, beside every menu item, there was a calorie content and so some of the things that first caught my eye had four-figure calorie uh, content beside it. You know, it wasn't just enough for me to ask, well, what, what tastes good, right? I had to reflect on, well, what am I willing to pay? And maybe even more significantly, what kind of nutritional damage am I willing to put up with? 
And so I went with a foot-long hot dog. I think that was a good choice, don't you? Um, now, it, it, you, you've probably already, already guessed it, but, but this is, this is the, the, the question we're asking in this series. Very first sermon, Isaiah 55, verse 2. Why spend money? Why spend hard-earned money on what is not bread? <laughs> That's what Isaiah asks. Why do we keep investing in these things in our spiritual diet that are not healthy, that are not good for us? Why do we waste time and money on something that costs more than we can afford and makes us less healthy rather than most healthy? Now, I know when we talk about diet, spiritual diet, it's probably a similar reaction to physical diet, right? Yuck. Uh, who wants to eat rabbit food, right? But, uh, but, but so I realize I have my work cut out for me here. But uh, thankfully, this sermon is not based on my empty words. It's based on the word of, of God. And so I'm praying, uh, and it sounds kind of crazy, but I'm sort of praying that the Lord would sort of spiritually nauseate us at some of the things we've been consuming. Uh, that things that tasted good initially, but really are making us and our relationships sick. Um, in fact, maybe you could think right now, when you woke up this morning, was there one of those toxic, toxic thoughts that was kind of making you a little sick. Well, I'm praying for a second emotional reaction, not just a sense of disgust uh, at simple thoughts and attitudes that we're currently consuming, but the second cool emoji I found, uh, Emojipedia called astonished face. Uh, That's the the, the technical name for this, astonished face. So if you wanna draw this out, make sure you leave like a real oval shape on the mouth and these really kind of startled uh, eyebrows here. Emojipedia said that this, this emoji expresses uh, awe or amazement or excitement. And I think that's the perfect emotional reaction for verse two. Because the thing that astonishes us in verse two is like newborn babies, right? The, the pure spiritual milk of God's word causes us to grow in our salvation. New, uh, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. What an amazing verse. Now, in case you're, you're, trying, you're, you're confused about this, there are times in the New Testament where the image of spiritual babies is used and the image of milk is used, and it's not flattering. Uh, it's sort of like staying in, in spiritual preschool uh, when, you're, when you're old, and that's not a, a, a flattering comparison. But here it's different. This is something that we are, as Christians, are encouraged to do. We're to crave Pure spiritual milk like newborn babies. I wonder how many of you ever have had a newborn or have babysat a newborn or you, you, you've hung out with a newborn. Just show me, show of hands here. Quite a few of you, quite a few. Well, if you have, you know that they crave milk and they have a very not so subtle way of letting you know, often in the middle of the night, often every two hours or so. Newborn babies, get this. They don't, you could not tempt them with Chex Mix. Uh, they don't want Cheetos. They don't want uh, Funyuns. They don't want Twizzlers. They don't want M&Ms. They, they only want one thing. They want mother's milk, right? They want pure milk. And if you've had a new, newborn, you've gotten to see the result of that a pure milk over time, right? You've gotten to see that that milk was an amazing fuel for that child to grow and grow dramatically. Two weeks ago, uh, we had a chance to celebrate our granddaughter's uh, two-year-old birthday. 
And it was just amazing to us how much she's, that's her in the middle. And uh, it was just uh, uh, amazing to us how much she's grown in such a short period of time. I mean, I can remember uh, when she was a baby, like she was just this inert lump in my hands two years ago, right? And I'm not saying that she, she only has milk today. She, she supplements today, right? But, but, but it's just amazing to watch that growth from that kind of little lump in my arms when she was a few hours old to now this kid who runs and jumps and laughs and makes jokes and draws and makes every kind of animal noise you could imagine. It's just amazing to see her growth in a short period of time. When I was growing up, if somebody called you a baby, those were fighting words, right? Uh, uh, but, but what if, spiritually speaking, we thought of ourselves this way? Like, like that, that, we, that we were so dependent upon God's truth that what we were really crying out for was that pure spiritual milk. When Peter uses that word spiritual, the Greek word is logikos. It gets us the word logic, uh, literally logos is word. And so it gives us this idea of this pure spiritual word or truth of God that causes us to grow. It's the same word that brings us to Christ that causes us to grow in Christ. I think that's what Peter is saying back in chapter 1 in verse 23. He says, for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. What causes us to be born again, responding to the good news of Jesus, is what causes us to endure, what causes us to continue to grow. Uh, This unadulterated word of God. Now, I asked you earlier, what happens in our relationships, marriage, family, friendships, grow groups? What happens when all of us are snacking on deception and hypocrisy and phoniness and envy of one another and slander of one another behind each other's backs? What happens is dysfunction. What happens is brokenness, right? What happens is we're all kind of, it's like survivor. We're all making little alliances to vote the others off the island. Uh, But what happens on the other hand if we are consuming the pure truth and grace and presence of Jesus Christ? In fact, let me just kind of throw this, uh, it's a thought experiment, but I hope it's more than that. What if for the next week, let's say, we meditated on this one verse it's easy to remember if you want to look it up later. It's Romans 12, 12. You've got to be able to remember that. 12, 12, right? And it's just 10 words. But what if we meditated on this? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What if in the midst of the discouraging things we all go through, we said, Lord, give me a joy I currently lack and give me hope. Help me to look forward with hope. What if we said, Lord, in the, in the current affliction, the painful things I'm going through, help me to experience the Holy Spirit fruit of patience. And Lord, for me and the people around me, help me, call me to be faithful in prayer. Not haphazard, not every once in a while, but, but call me to a daily lifestyle of intercessory prayer for myself and for others. What if we craved this? I mean, what if we, we said, Lord, I, I crave this. I, I want this to be true of me this week. I, I want a patience this week. I want a hopefulness this week. I want a joy this week. Well, what kind of spiritual growth could that prompt in us? What kind of difference could that make in us as we grow up into the purpose that uh, of, our sal- of our initial salvation. We grow up into the purpose for which God saved us. 
You know, one of my spiritual heroes is with Jesus now. Uh, he's an Anglican pastor in London. His name was John Stott. I never got to meet him, but I've read a lot about him and read a lot of him. Uh, I read a, like two, like a big two volume. I want you to be proud of me. But I read like a big two volume. Uh, uh, just, I was just fascinated by his life. And uh, I've listened to his sermons. You can listen to his sermons for free on the internet. Uh, I even had the thrill of attending his church in London a few years ago. And he was so influential during uh, his lifetime that a columnist for the New York Times once wrote that if evangelicals ever elected a pope, of course we won't, but if evangelicals ever elected a pope, they should elect John Stott. That's how influential he was. And Stott hated that column, by the way. Uh, but, but, but he was this amazing global leader. And in the 1970s, he joined up with another little-known evangelical leader named Billy Graham. And they organized this conference in Switzerland, Lausanne, Switzerland. And it was aimed at the purpose of renewing the evangelical movement. I think we need another one of those, by the way. But they had this big Lausanne conference. And one of the things that John Stott helped write was a confession. Because renewal usually begins with confession. And look what he wrote. He wrote, we, we confess that we have sometimes pursued church growth at the expense of church depth. Let's read that again. We confess that we have sometimes, as pastors, church leaders, we pursue church growth at the expense of church depth. Do you hear what he's getting at here? Church growth is more people, right? Church depth is deeper people. Now, it doesn't have to be one or the other. We, we pray for both, right? We regularly pray for, for both, um, you know, um, but, but, but ultimately, if we're not deep, if we're not growing deeper, if we're not growing more like Jesus, it doesn't matter how many of us there are because we'll have nothing to offer the world uh, because we're not growing to be more like Jesus, right? Now, listen, if you know me, you know I love, 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 love reaching new people. It brings me such joy. It's part of our calling. But the calling is not just counting noses to see how many people are here. The true calling is growing Christ-like people. It's seeing people grow. Uh, it's seeing people experience life change. It's planting acorns in our children's ministry and seeing oak trees grow. That is the calling that I want to uh, give my life to pursuing. I want us to be astonished at the depth and growth that is available to us in God's word. This is not the kind of book where you go, yeah, I read it, what's next? No, we keep going back. We keep reading, living, and experiencing. Okay, one more emoji. One more reaction that I'm praying for. Not just sorrowful face over what we've been consuming, not just a look of surprise over the power of God's word, but ultimately, smiling face with hearts. Uh, that's what Emojipedia calls this. And uh, it's falling in love with Christ's goodness. Now, I'm told that this Emojipedia says this emoji conveys enthusiastic feelings of love and adoration. I will tell you that as a husband, it's my favorite emoji to receive from my wife. Uh, my least favorite is that thumbs down thing. Uh, and to me, that's the best reaction I can think of for verse 3. Because verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 2 says this. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, as long as we live in a world of sin, junk food, 
is going to smell good. It's going to tempt us. But there's a promise here in verse 3, and that is that Christ's goodness has its own appeal. Uh, This is just a little nerdy thing, but uh, in, in the New Testament, the word for Christ is Christos. Makes sense, right? The word for good or kind is Christos. And it's like, now that we've tasted that Christos is Christos, now that we've tasted that Christ our Lord is good and kind, we want more of him. Peter is probably quoting from Psalm 34, 8, which says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And once we've tasted that goodness, you know what can happen? We can develop a holy craving for it. Once we've tasted it, we want more and more of it. I, one of the things that's so cool is I love when I get to talk to VRBCers who, who have started to experience this phenomenon. And sometimes the story is like this. For years, they kept Christ at arm's length. For years, they went through the motions. For years, they checked little boxes of church attendance and kind of showing up. But something happened. Maybe it was a crisis. Maybe it was a hunger. Something happened in their lives. And they began to dig more deeply into Jesus and his truth. The stuff they were eating no longer satisfied them. It made them sick. They hungered for something deeper. And the more time they spent in the presence of Jesus, the more they spent learning and obeying God's word, they just wanted more. They just wanted more. It's like communion, the bread of life, the cup of redemption. It tastes so good. Now, I said as I was studying for this message that I learned a couple of fascinating things about baptism uh, in the early church. One was that in many churches, as I mentioned, they would like change outfits. Those old clothes don't fit anymore. I I need a new robe of righteousness to follow Jesus. There's something else that I learned in the second century, the kind of 100 to 200 AD in the earliest centuries of the church, that after somebody was baptized, they used to offer them a beverage. And do you know what it was? It was a mixture of milk and honey. Isn't that great? After you're baptized, milk with honey mixed in. As if to say, now that you're following Jesus, guess what? You're going to find that Jesus is going to help you grow. And you're going to find that Jesus is the sweetest name that you know. That's what you're signing up for. The goodness, the miracle grow of Jesus. The the sweetness and kindness of Jesus. So here's my question. What's one thing you could do, that I could do, to move toward verse 3? Maybe it is kind of beginning with confession, beginning with kind of confessing uh, that maybe lack of depth, maybe that, uh, that addiction to spiritual junk food that's making us sick. Maybe it's even thinking about some ways our, our relationships with people around us have been negatively impacted by our own malice, malicious thought or deceptiveness or our hypocrisy and phoniness or, or our envy uh, or our slander. And maybe it's just saying, Lord, ugh, you know, make me sick when I, when, I, when, I, when I think those things. Lord, make me sick. It's like my brother, uh, my little brother, we were at my aunt's Christmas Eve party one time, and he just dug into that, those olives, and it was just like olive, 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 olive. And uh, let's just say it didn't go so well for him afterwards. And uh, he's a foodie today, but he doesn't touch olives. And, uh, and, and I, I mean, I, that sounds like a mean thing to pray, but it's almost like, Lord, make, make me sick when I, when, I, when I think about that junk food. And then, Lord, make me crave your truth. 
Let me experience your kindness and goodness. Milk and honey that keeps me coming back for more. Friends, we're invited to a feast. We don't need junk food. We don't need empty calories, so to speak. We need pure spiritual milk that Christ is offering us. So let's come to the table. Would you pray with me? Lord, there's a holy dare that's been placed in front of us today to taste and see that you are good. Lord, too often our stomachs are full of things that make us sick. But give us, Lord, a holy curiosity and astonishment even over the power of what you can do through your spirit and word in our lives. And then, Lord, give us that holy craving where we fall in love with your kindness and goodness. And we just want more and more and more of you until one day all our prayers are answered as we see you face to face. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.